0: Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. To Matthew chapter 13, and uh, we're just going to read verse 51 and 50 uh, 50, uh, 51, 52, and 53. Matthew 13, verses 51 to 53. Jesus said unto them, Have you understood all these things? And may I ask the same question, have you understood what I've been doing on the seven parables of the kingdom? How many would say yes? How many would say no? <laughs> How many are scared to say no? I hope you have understood these things and they say unto him what's the answer yes Lord yes Kevin okay then said he unto them therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder uh, a steward really like a householder who brings out the right portion for his household which bringeth forth out of his treasure things both new and old Things from the New Testament, things from the Old Testament, things new and old, because how many know the Bible is a treasure house? So every man, every scribe, a teacher, instructor, which is instructed under the kingdom of heaven is like a man, he's a household, he brings out of his treasure, and we're looking at the Bible as the treasure, things new and old, New Testament, Old Testament, The total Bible is a treasure house, particularly when it comes to the revelation of the kingdom. All right, now what we want to do tonight in the next number of weeks, we said there are uh, 12 kingdom of heaven parables altogether in Matthew and we've worked through seven of them and uh, haven't exhausted them, but we didn't want to exhaust you. And uh, so before we move into the next five, which move into a different grouping and a different type of parable than what we've had here in, uh, in uh, chapter 13, although they're all kingdom of heaven parables, but before we move into that, I want to sort of pull some loose ends together of what we've done in Matthew chapter 13. All right, now, Jesus is talking about a scribe being instructed under the kingdom of heaven. Now, what I want to do here, uh, as we bring everything together, I want to give you at least seven important facts about the kingdom, and uh, then sort of bring together what we've been doing in the, uh, in the parables here. So, this is what we're going to be working through here tonight. All right? summarizing parables of the kingdom. So we've got the kingdom of God, the kingdom here, and we want to look at the kingdom, particularly as we've been uh, looking at the, at the parables here, and this is not the scale, okay? So if you're taking down notes, let's try something else that's got more anointing in it than that. <laughs> let's run out of anointing. Let's try this one. Alright, this is not the scale, so what we're looking at here is first of all, kingdom past. And then because of what we've been on in the parables of the kingdom, we'll enlarge this a little bit. Kingdom present. And then, guess uh, we won't be able to do this tonight because that's the most dangerous area, uh, the kingdom future. I have to say that for those of you who are already in the millennial kingdom and enjoying your thousand years rest. I'm looking forward to mine. Everybody sit, amen. All right, so I want to give you seven important facts about the kingdom of God and listen carefully. I'm going to make you look at the scriptures tonight as we sort of bring a lot of loose ends together. All right, let's go to fact number one about the kingdom. Psalm 145. Psalm 145. So I just want you to sort of put down as we work through these uh, very important scriptures seven most important things about the kingdom of God and then we'll sort of uh, bring the parables together, okay? Psalm 145 and uh, we'll pick up in verse 10 through to 13. Psalm 145 verses 10 through to 13. And uh, this is the psalm of David, a psalm of praise. And so he says, All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. All the saints said, Amen. And bless the Lord. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. I've circled in my Bible three words here. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power. And what does Jesus close the disciples' prayer with? For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Okay, so those three words are here. So the saints, thou bless the Lord, thou praise the Lord, thou bless the Lord, and thou speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. To make known to the sons of men his acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, marginal of uh, all King James says. Thy kingdom is the kingdom of all ages. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Fact number one is the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. Everybody say that with me. The kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. Alright, so let's add to our little famous diagram here. Really important to remember this. The kingdom of God is everlasting. There's never been a time when there has not been a kingdom. So on this part we'll put this down as eternity, from eternity to eternity, God has the kingdom. The kingdom of God is everlasting, from eternity to eternity. So the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. That's fact number one, very important. Now, this has to do with the kingdom in time. Okay? The kingdom in time. All right, now as we've said on previous occasions, time is just a little fragment of eternity in which God is working out his purposes in relation to earth. So in relation to the kingdom, in relation to earth, we see kingdom past, kingdom present, kingdom future in relation to earth. But there's always been a kingdom. So the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom. That's really important. And I say that, and I I have to watch, I don't get onto too many tributaries here, because of ultra-dispensationalist, Schofield, who's dead and knows better now, and if you've got a Scofield Bible, I'll forgive you. Ah, because I've got one too. It was, it was my mother-in-law's. Okay, so uh, he ultra-dispensationalised the kingdom and stuck the kingdom entirely future as a Jewish kingdom. That'll mean something to some of you who are not from the Dark Ages or who are from the Dark Ages, I should say okay 2nd Peter chapter 1 and verse 11 put in conjunction with that thought it repeats the same thing so this is still number one here so 2nd Peter chapter 1 and verse 11 for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ so everlasting kingdom so one scripture from the Old Testament one from the new the kingdom of God is an everlasting kingdom Alright, fact number two. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18. Fact number two about the kingdom. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And here, Paul writing to his son in the faith just before he uh, gets beheaded. In verse 18, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18, he says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his, what kingdom? Heavenly. Heavenly kingdom. Okay, so fact number two, the kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. Now you have to keep what I'm saying in mind because when we get to this part here, when John the Baptist And Jesus came saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is in their mind? Okay, so the kingdom of God, fact number one, is an everlasting kingdom. Fact number two, kingdom of God is a heavenly kingdom. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth uh, as it is in heaven. It's a heavenly kingdom, all right? Fact number two. Fact number three, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. These are just very important facts about the kingdom, and you see, there's so much confusion today about the kingdom. It used to be confined to the uh, the JWs, or the you Days. What are they? Anyway, you know who I'm talking about: Kingdom haulers, and we let them rob us of the kingdom. All right, fact number three, Hebrews 12, verse 28. And listen to what it says here. I'll read from verse 26 to uh, lead into it. Or verse 25 to lead into it, should I say. See them that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now with promise, saying, yet once more... I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifies the removing of those things that are shaken or may be shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved or cannot be shaken, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire." Fact number three, the kingdom of God is an unshakable, it's an immovable kingdom. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. So it's an unshakable kingdom, it's an everlasting kingdom, it's a heavenly kingdom, it's an unshakable kingdom. Everything else is going to be shaken that can be shaken, but the kingdom of God is unshakable. And we see the kingdoms of this world being shaken today. But we're in an unshakable kingdom, so if, if we're in an unshakable kingdom, then we should not be shaken. Amen? If we have the stability of the kingdom in us, we should not be shaken when everything else is being shaken because we're an unshakable kingdom. All right, fact number four, John chapter 18. Well, I'm giving you about seven of the most important truths about the kingdom because uh, other scriptures on the kingdom fall under these categories if we get these right. So John chapter 18... John chapter 18. Jesus is uh, standing before Pilate and Pilate's having to make the decision whether to crucify Jesus or not. So uh, in verse 33, John chapter 18 verse 33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of yourself, or did others tell it thee of me? Pilate answered, and you can guess how he answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? And listen to Jesus' answer. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence, it's not from here. Pilate therefore said unto him, Are you a kingdom? And remember, Jesus didn't look like a king, being scourged and spat upon and mocked. Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, "What is truth?" And the tragedy was, in the next chapter, Pilate took a basin and tried to wash his hands of the truth. But as been well said, you can crucify the truth in the tomb, but God will blast a resurrection hole into the tomb and raise the truth from the dead. Hallelujah! We can do nothing against the truth, Paul said. So men may crucify the truth, wash their hands of it, bury it in the tomb. God will raise truth from the dead. We don't have to ta- uh, defend truth. Paul says we can do nothing against the truth. The truth is capable of defending himself. Amen? So Jesus rose from the dead to prove that. All right, fact number four I want you to pick up there is the kingdom is not of this world. And may I just add a, a word there? It's not of this world system. It's not of this world system. See, I, I know we come from different backgrounds and because we try to walk on eggshells very delicately here in Waverly, especially on eschatology, so many of us have some funny ideas about the kingdom future. Do you believe in a Jewish kingdom? What sort of a kingdom do you have there, let alone here? See, and we, because we have false concepts of the kingdom, that the kingdom is of this world system or it's a Jewish millennial. Kingdom or it's a Jewish kingdom and all that's involved in that, we miss it. No, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world, it's not of this world system. All right, fact number five, let's turn to Romans 14. Romans 14. Now, in Romans 14, a scripture that we uh, used to sing once, we have here in Romans 14 and verse 17 the character of the kingdom. Now how many know that a kingdom always takes on the character of the king? Whatever the king is like, the kingdom will be like. So the kingdom takes on the character of the kingdom, of the king. So that's the, that's the thing I want you to pick up here, the character of the kingdom. And in verse 17 it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what is it? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it's always in that order. Now, who's the king of the kingdom? Okay, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, try and give me some other name for him that's found in Hebrews chapter 7. Just uh, get your pure mind stirred up by a way of remembrance here. kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace okay, so the moment I think of righteousness and peace, who do I think of as uh, a mysterious person that appeared to Abraham Melchizedek everybody say it with me okay, and when the writer to the Hebrews whether it was Paul or whoever I think it was Paul myself, when he goes back to that incident he said Abraham was met by Melchizedek which by interpretation and by interpreting the name he interprets the person behind the name Now, I I don't want to get sidetracked off and get tempted to of the the five false theories, I believe, of who Melchizedek was. So you can take this and don't throw it away. It's not my fault if I'm right, okay? Uh, I believe Melchizedek is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a Christophany. And you see, when Melchizedek appeared to Abraham and he ministered to him communion, and he took off Abraham tithes. Melchizedek wasn't given his tithes every time Dick and Harry running around the country looking for an offering. And Melchizedek is the father of all who believe. And here he meets, uh, uh, yeah, Abraham, pardon me, is the father of all who believe. And he's met by Melchizedek who is king of righteousness and king of peace. He's not just a righteous king. He's not just a peaceful king. He's king of righteousness and king of peace. And there's only one king of righteousness, one king of peace, and the Lord Jesus Christ is his name. Hallelujah. So you see, I said, the kingdom will be like the king. So if the king is king of righteousness and king of peace, what is the kingdom of God going to be? Righteousness, peace, and for good measure? Joy. Are you joyful tonight? So it's always in that order. As I've said before, it's an interesting thing that if we're in the kingdom and we're born in the kingdom of God, characteristics of those who are subjects of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. And you know, when a person loses their right standing with the Lord or falls out of right standing with the Lord and relationship with the Lord and relationship with others, they lose their peace and they lose their joy. So when I counsel people sometimes, I say, oh, I've just got no joy. Well, let's go back to what happened to your peace. Well, have you lost your peace? Well, when did you lose your peace? Well, I had a blow-up with mum, dad, or the kids, or my boss, or Jesus, you know. It, it's always that order. So, it's, uh, you know, the world wants peace, and the world wants joy, but they don't want righteousness. See, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, and then peace, and then joy. So there's, there's no joy without peace and there's no peace and joy without righteousness. So the world's after peace, the world's after joy, but they don't want righteousness. Right standing with God. And you just can't have it that way. All right, so character of the kingdom is righteousness, peace and joy. All right, fact number, where are we up to? Number six. And I want you to turn over to Uh, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, and you can put two verses down in connection with this point. All right, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And then we'll connect that up with Matthew 4 and verse 17. So Matthew 3, verse 1 and 2. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus confirms the same thought in Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All right, so the next fact you have here is that repentance is the gateway to the kingdom okay now let's uh, follow the progression of thought we're looking at number one the kingdom of god is an everlasting kingdom have that confirmed in old new testament number two kingdom of god is a heavenly kingdom number three the kingdom of god is an unshakable kingdom number four the kingdom of god is not of this world system number five the character of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. The character of the kingdom takes on the character of the king. And number six, repentance is the gateway to the kingdom. Okay? Repentance is the gateway. Now, it doesn't bring you into the kingdom. It brings you to the gate. It's the gate of the kingdom. That's what I probably should say. Gateway or the gate of the kingdom. So, John the Baptist and Jesus say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, repentance is the gate to the kingdom. Now turn over to John chapter 3 for fact number 7. And we're familiar with this passage but just uh, uh, bringing it here systematically. John chapter 3 and this is fact number 7. And for you notice you can put down verses 1 through to 8. John chapter 3 verses 1 through to 8. And we'll just read verse 3 and verse 5, the relevant verses. Jesus talking to Nicodemus and Jesus answered and said unto him Verily, verily I say unto you except a man be born again or literally born from above he cannot see the kingdom of God and then verse uh, 5 just changes the word see to the word enter Jesus answered verily, verily I say unto you except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God so in verse 3 And verse 5, the emphasis in verse 3 is, except a man be born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In verse 5, except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So seeing the kingdom, entering into the kingdom. So fact number uh, 7 is, the only way to get into the kingdom is by being born again. So repentance brings you to the gate, but it's new birth that ushers you into the kingdom let a man be born again. So seven important facts there. Kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, number one. Number two, the kingdom is a heavenly, heavenly kingdom. Number three, it's an unshakable kingdom. Number four, kingdom is not of this world system. Number five, the character of the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. And number six, repentance is the gateway to the kingdom. And number seven, uh, we have to be born again. A new birth brings us into the kingdom. Can we all say amen to those scriptures? alright now as we look at uh, what's happened here um, watching the time the kingdom passed now we're looking at the kingdom in relation to earth so kingdom is an everlasting kingdom but in relation to earth so the kingdom passed was manifest first in the nation of Israel now I'm going to put something on the overhead that I can't fit here And then as we've been seeing together, the kingdom in its present expression is manifest in the church. And then the kingdom in its future expression will be manifest in the Jew, in the people of God, in the redeemed of all ages. Okay? Because we come to the second coming here in the and the uh, first resurrection. All right. Now, I want to superimpose, uh, we'll put it on the overhead here to help us, because when John, here's the, here's the pivotal point, turn over to Luke, Luke's Gospel, um, Luke's Gospel, Just get the verse here. Everybody got Luke's Gospel. I'm trying to find the verse I want. Somebody may help me about uh, the kingdom of God, the uh, the law, and the prophets were until John. Anybody remember that verse for me? Uh, I'll just check a cross-reference. A uh, very important scripture in uh, Luke here. That's the one that witnesses with me. Luke 16. 16, that's right. Okay, so Luke sixteen, sixteen. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. So, under the kingdom passed in the nation of Israel, we have the law and the prophets and since that time the kingdom because John the Baptist came he pent the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then Jesus confirms the same message repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand but now let's superimpose on the overhead here just for our last few moments and we'll continue with this next week so don't uh, feel frustrated and don't feel frustrated if you're trying to get this down either You want to look at him that way or you want to lay him down I'll lay him down okay now the kingdom past was manifest in Israel but when when uh, Israel goes into Assyria and Judah is taken in Babylon captivity we have the rise of these world kingdoms right through to the manifestation of God's kingdom So in Daniel chapter 2 and 3, we have the revelation of the image. And it's a very interesting thing thing that when God gives to Nebuchadnezzar this dream, he shows the world kingdoms as deified man. And you'll notice as we work through here, we start off with the head of gold, and then we go to the arms and breast of silver, and then we come to the belly and thighs of brass, and the legs, the iron, the longest part of the body and then we end up with ten toes, the mixture of iron and clay and then we had the stone kingdom that smashes the world kingdoms not on the head and gives him a headache. Uh, that was um, that was David's job to, to smite the giant in the head with his little stone. But this stone smites the image on the ten toes on the feet and destroys the whole image. So what you actually see is, as Daniel interprets this progressive revelation of world kingdoms, you see a deterioration. I want to give you three Ds. You see a deterioration, a devaluation, and a disintegration. Everybody got those three Ds? So you see a deterioration because we're going down and down and down as the kingdoms of this world decline then you see a devaluation from gold to silver to brass to iron to iron and clay this guy is top heavy he's suffering from the gold standard I mean, you know we'll be using your dollar soon for wallpaper so you might as well get rid of it and let's finish our building. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> Before we wheel it out. All right, so world kingdoms, right through the God's kingdom. So when he interprets the, uh, the vision, he says, you, Nebuchadnezzar, are the head of gold. So we have the kingdom of Babylon, BC 606, 70 years. Then we have the silver kingdom, a dual kingdom, which is joined across the two arms and across the uh, chest, first here, the Medo-Persian Kingdom, the Silver Kingdom, BC 536, approximate dates. And then we have this kingdom succeeded by the Brass Kingdom, the belly and thighs of brass, the Grecian Kingdom, Alexander the Great and then the division of his kingdom into four, and then we had the rise of Rome, approximately BC 30, and uh, it's Rome, the Iron Rule of Rome, that's in power and the only, the only world kingdom that ever had the penalty of death by crucifixion. And then, of course, right sandwiched between here, we have the church and the kingdom in its present form, which we'll have to pick up this uh, next week here. And then when the stone kingdom comes, it says that the saints possess the kingdom. I'd like you to turn over to Daniel 7 here, uh, Daniel 7. Daniel chapter 7. And uh, let's pick up a few verses uh, from this part. Uh, Verse 13. Daniel 7, verse 13. Daniel 7, verse 13. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. So he is the Son of God coming to the Father and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, as did all these kingdoms, and his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, as all these kingdoms were and will be. Then in verse uh, 17 he says, These great beasts which, you, uh, which are four, are four kings which shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and just to make sure you've got it even forever and ever. How many are saints here tonight? How many believe the saints are going to take the kingdom and possess it forever and ever and ever and ever? All right, then in verse uh, 22 he says, uh, 21, the little horn made war with the saints prevailed against them. Actually, I don't want to be in that bunch. I want to be an overcomer, not overcome. Amen? Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. That's the whole issue. The saints possessing the kingdom. In verse 27, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints most, of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey him. All right, now, we'll have to finish on this, but let's pick this up now. Just imagine that that diagram, the kingdom of God in Israel in the past, and then after the captivity of the house of Israel to Assyria and the house of Judah to Babylon, then we see the rise of these world kingdoms. Now, what kingdom was in power when Jesus came? Rome. And remember, the longest part of the body of the legs. Well, they are on my body anyway. Ah... And you see when John came saying repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand and Jesus came repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand what was their concept of the kingdom? And you see here was the real problem when they heard repent the kingdom of heaven is at hand they didn't hear that word repent they heard the word kingdom and here they are under the kingdom of Rome just into the legs of the body remember they were not up to the ten toes That was their mistake. And all they heard was the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. Wow, Messiah's going to come and he's going to get rid of this Roman kingdom and we're going to have a Jewish nationalistic, materialistic kingdom and we're going to dominate the world. And you see, as time went on and the Jews suddenly realized that the kingdom that John and Jesus was talking about was not of this world system and it was not a nationalistic, materialistic, Jewish kingdom they said we don't want him, let's crucify him they didn't like the word repentance and they ended up saying we have no king but Caesar and they rejected their king all because they had a wrong concept a nationalistic and materialistic concept of the kingdom and you see as I finish here and we'll pick it up next week the tragedy is that just what happened at the first coming that the Jewish nation as a whole had a false concept about the kingdom, thinking it was nationalistic, materialistic, militaristic. That happened at the first coming. The danger is that many Christians today have the same concept of the kingdom, that when Jesus comes the second time, he's going to set up a Jewish kingdom, a nationalistic, a materialistic kingdom. No, scripture shows us his kingdom is a heavenly kingdom. It's not of this world kingdom. And would Christians dare crucify Christ at the second coming like the Jews did at the first? Well, that'll never happen. But a lot of Christians are going to be in for a shot. Well, come back next week for this exciting episode. Have you understood these things? We'll pick this up uh, next week. Let's all stand. Let's just close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the uh, understanding of your kingdom, that your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's an unshakable kingdom, Lord, and it's a heavenly kingdom. It's not of this world system. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.